Everything F1, driven by fans, for the fans. Everything F1 podcast. Today, we review the Dutch Grand Prix at Zandvoort. We also talk about all the latest goings-on from around the grid and look forward to the weekend in Monza. It's a full action-packed show, so let's get into it. Hello and welcome to the Everything F1 podcast with me, James Tiller. Today, alongside me, we've got the original two. That's Coops. Hi, Coops. How are you? Hello, I'm well. How are you? Yeah, very good. Just finished work. Ready and raring to go on this great podcast. Um, how about you? Have you had a good day? Yeah, just work. Went for a run after work and then back here to talk all things Formula One. Brilliant. Uh, Sponge, how are you, Sponge? All good, thank you very much. All good. Looking forward to getting stuck in. Good. We've got a lot to talk about, and it's not just the race that we've watched over the weekend. We've uh, had a lot of news drop uh, over the last couple of days, so we'll get into that very shortly. Um, First of all, we are Everything F1. You can find us on all of our social media platforms, and that is Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And we're at the handle, at JoinEF1. We also want to mention our five-star reviews. We've started getting them now on iTunes, so thank you very much. Ashley Woodhouse, you've been a great fan of ours on Twitter. You've been making it known that you're a great listener, so we thank you very much for leaving a five-star review. We really appreciate it. Thanks to Joe as well. Thank you, Joe, for giving us a five-star review. We really appreciate your review today. And Harry, F1 fan, whoever you are, we thank you, we salute you, we appreciate you. If you want to give us a five-star review, it's a very easy thing to do. Head to iTunes or Apple Podcasts, get yourself on there and provide us a five-star review. If you do that, we'll give you a shout-out on our future podcasts. You can also find us on our website, www.everythingf1.com. So, first things first, let's talk about the Zandvoort Grand Prix. What Grand Prix? (laughs) I know you've not necessarily watched it, Sponge, have you? But uh, I'm sure I'll watch the highlights. You've seen the highlights. Well, yeah, I've seen the highlights. I, I think I think that's probably all you needed to watch, wasn't it? It was a bit processional. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think so. Mm. Like a movie trailer, you get all the good parts in the highlights, and that's it. <laughs> yeah, I think they managed to cut it down to about seven minutes. What were you, what were your thoughts on the race, Coops? The track's interesting, but yeah. not suitable for modern Formula One. Hmm. I'm sure there'll be some debates about that in the comments of of many oh, the many a social many a social platform across the internet at the moment. Oh yeah, there'll be. There's... Most people will agree with what Coops has said, unless they're Dutch. I was <laughs> just about to say that the Dutch fans are coming to lynch me, but yes, it was Monaco with a wee bit of gravel. Yes, it. I like the track and the onboard cameras and the laps themselves. They looked quick it looks like a fast track and it's look you know i like i like the bank curves uh the bank turns uh it it just there was not enough space for an f1 car to to kind of pass by unless of course your name is uh, sergio perez um now let's talk about the winner obviously it was dominated by max because no one could get past him but he also did put on a great performance didn't he um what can you say about that coops there's not really much to say i mean he pretty much controlled the weekend he was uh, for a young man at 23 years old with the weight of the country on his shoulders for the first the first uh, Dutch Grand Prix since 1985 mm. and at the front of the you know he's back he's only three points behind Hamilton he was a very very composed young man uh, showed a very different a very mature side of him that I don't think we've really seen before but mm-hmm. uh, and then Red Bull provided him with the car that he needed to do it and from the front he controlled it so uh, very impressed not by the race because there wasn't much for him to do it was very much last year's Hamilton disappeared, got on with it mm-hmm. but just how he just dealt with the pressure how he got on with it Yeah, uh, he's not. He never, he never allowed himself to kind of have a bit of fun at the end, I think yes the Dutch Grand Prix win is good for him but I think ultimately he's looking for the title uh, and that's when he'll let go 
if it comes to pass. But uh, very impressed by uh, Verstappen for the whole weekend, to be honest. Yeah, he put in a great performance, exactly what he needed to do, uh, and especially uh, at the home at his home circuit now i just want to talk about the circuit itself in terms of the fans and the atmosphere you could actually see and feel the atmosphere through the television it was that good um so if it wasn't necessarily the most exciting race uh, on the track off the track uh, they did provide you know the the entertainment that we needed even as fans uh, sitting watching at home did you did you enjoy that aspect of it sponge yeah definitely i think there's a there's a, a big shout out that's needed for the Dutch crowd, to be honest with you, because they weren't disrespectful of Lewis as we kind of feared that they would be. Mm. Um, there, was a, there were I a think, few kind of pantomime boos, but that wasn't so bad, was it? Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest with you. Again, I've only watched the highlights of it. I watched uh, when I came back Sunday night. I watched the uh, after race interviews, and I didn't. I didn't actually hear any booing. Uh, you know, I might have missed it, but I didn't hear anything. Um, but from my point of view, I thought it was going to be quite, quite bad. Mm-hmm. It wasn't. I think they were quite respectful. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, I think fanatical. I think I actually think the Dutch fans have just displaced the Tifosi <laughs> as the most fanatical in the world. Genuinely, I, I actually th- think that that has has now happened. Well, we've got the um, uh, we've got the Tifosi coming up, so maybe they'll try and retaliate and uh, and go one possibly. better. Possibly. <laughs> yeah, possibly. They're they're special in Italy, but I think yeah, um, the uh, the Dutch fans have have kind of given them something to think about, really. Um, so yeah, a big mention to them, big well done to to all the Dutch fans. Um, and from a fans' point of view, I hope it returns next year. From a circuit point of view, I don't think we should ever race there again. So, but there we go. <laughs> well, they've got they've got a year to kind of hopefully. I mean. The, the cars are going to be different next year. Hopefully we can follow a bit better. Um, obviously the cars aren't going to be any smaller, um, really very negligible size difference. Um, so let's just hope it, that, that the fact that they can follow each other uh, means more of the drivers will attempt to be what Sergio Perez was last weekend in Zandvoort. Um, let's talk about Sergio Perez. Then he had a lackluster qualifying. He had obviously uh, changed uh, engine, uh, started from the pit lane, uh, and then put on a, a great Sergio Perez performance, don't you think, Coops? Uh, yeah, I mean, it was good, but, you know, he shouldn't have been there in the first place. Uh, no, absolutely. I, I mean, maybe that's a bit harsh, because I can't remember, but was he caught out with the late red flag in Q2, or was that a poor, just a poor lap? I can't remember. I know Norris got caught out with it, with, uh, I think it was Latifi that crashed, which meant that they never got the final run-in, but... Mm. You know, he started from the back. Uh, Red Bull done what they should have done. Well, well, what they would have done anyway. Uh, in that situation, it's just firing your power unit in to get another one in the pool, because mm. uh, that's now free to use. He doesn't get continual uh, penalties. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he went out and done his thing. And then probably the longest lockup I've seen in a car for a long time, which turned that right front into a 50 pence piece <laughs> uh, which is somebody like Sergio Perez who's usually good in the tyres that, that's, that's a bit that's not, that's not normal mm. but you know he pulled it back he, he showed that you can pass but then when you're going up against uh, a Haas and a Red Bull I think uh, you're going to find a way past him one way or the other uh, so yeah it was yeah. good it was good but again shouldn't be there he should have been up in fourth place, Harry and Bottas. Not that Bottas needs much Harry in these days, but <laughs> uh, you know that's where he's supposed to be. Uh, but it was good for what it was. Yeah, absolutely. He did come up against a, a bit of a challenge, uh, and uh, it was with one of, well, one of probably our, our favourite teams and, and drivers of the moment, uh, McLaren and Lando Norris. Um, and he said he, it wasn't fair, the the, the, the overtake. Coops, uh, what, what have you got to say about that? Uh, I think it falls more on Lando, uh, purely because, you know, the way Formula One works these days, you've got to give him space. And if you watch mm. the onboard from Lando, he didn't give him space. He kind of pushed him out wide and, you know, you end up on the gravel in Zandvoort. Uh, and he was alongside, and I think at one point Sergio was in front and kind of came back alongside him and then Lando kind of went over into uh, and then of course damage the car which kind of put pay to the the charge back up the field so you know I'm kind of going 
begrudgingly as I'm a Lando slash McLaren fan. I think I have to put this one more on Lando than anyone else, to be honest. Mm, okay. Uh, I, I am actually in agreement with Coops today. I, know, I hate to say that because, you know, not so many secret McLaren fans here on the Everything F1 podcast. Uh, okay, let's move on then to uh, the Mercedes team. Obviously, they best of the rest, uh, as it were. Um, didn't get that top spot, couldn't get past uh, Max Verstappen. Um, but they did kind of, there were some things to talk about uh, in relation to the Mercedes team. The, one of the talking points that everyone's talking about is obviously that call to Bottas uh, not to take the fastest lap, taking that point from Lewis Hamilton. Now, I can see from a team's point of view, the team want their driver to be the driver's world champion, the, the, the driver world champion. Of course they do. Um, and Lewis Hamilton is the most likely to be the person that will do that because Bottas just hasn't got enough points. Um, so I can see from a, uh, a Mercedes point of view that they'd want their driver to have that extra point that was lead, that was currently leading the championship un- that unfortunately didn't exit the weekend leading the championship. Um, but what were your what was your opinion on that, uh, Sponge? Do you think it was harsh for Mercedes to, to tell Bottas to slow down? Uh, no, definitely not. I think... Uh... It's already at that point in the season where they've got to make a decision. You know, Lewis, they've gone through the summer break at the end of the day. Mm. Lewis is in, in front. Um, it really is at the point now where, you know, they're, they're to in and throwing in the championship, so every point counts. Yes, because Max is three points ahead now coming out of the season, so that, that yeah. point could really be the deciding factor of the, of the exactly. championship. At, at the end of the day, the, the simple fact of the matter is Regardless of the reasons why, Valtteri isn't up there with them. Take out take out the the ifs, buts and maybes as to why that's the case. Mm-hmm. And I think, to be honest with you, he's been quite harshly treated this season. But take all of that out. The fact of the matter is, after the summer break, Hamilton and Max are the only two that are realistically going to win that championship. Yeah. With everything that's riding on that, given the, the rule changes next year and nobody knows where anybody's going to be, mm-hmm. Hamilton's record he wants for himself, taking everything into consideration, I, I am not surprised at all that they made that call. No, absolutely not. As I say, from a, from a team's perspective, it was absolutely the right, right thing to do, the right call to make. Um, from Valtteri's perspective, it was probably a bit of a kick in the teeth, especially knowing what was uh, coming up obviously, this week. Uh, Coops, what were your thoughts on that? No, Bottas is not in the title fight. So, I mean, what would the Mercedes say if Hamilton lost the title by a point? You know, mm. Formula One fans and the media have a long memory in those circumstances. So, you know, I mean, they all talked about the time a few years back where, was it 2018 at Hungary, where they swapped the places between Bottas and Hamilton because Hamilton said he was faster to try and chase down the leader, which I think was Vettel. He couldn't do it. Last corner, light Vettel background. And then everyone went, well, what happens if you lose that title by those points? Mm. You know, yes, that was the most sporting thing to do, and, you know, round of applause, but people will forget that if you lost that championship. And if you lose a title to Max Verstappen by a point, it's, you know, it's getting brought back up. Mm -hmm. So, no. It's fine. I did like the fact that Bottas put two purple sectors in, and then tried <laughs> then tried to back out of the fastest lap and got it. It was great. Yeah, he still got that fastest lap. But, where, oh no, and then uh, Lewis realised and was like, "I've got to get that fastest lap, man. Yeah. I've got to get that fastest lap, man." And so, he was pitted, and he came in to uh, to take that fastest lap at the end. Uh, so obviously, he still got that point. Okay, let's go to uh, one of our one of the other teams then. Um, McLaren. We've already spoken about Lando, uh, and he had a little bit of an event. Um, but what, what what would you say about Danny Rick's performance this week, Coops? It was interesting to see at the start of the the race actually where he couldn't his car couldn't select uh, first gear. Uh, that was shown by uh, in the sky pad after that he couldn't select first gear, and he was actually waving to abort the start. And then just before the lights came on, he managed to get it by flipping a paddle, which. I think he flipped it up rather than down, which was a bit of a weird one. And for the mm. first few laps, there was a lot of smoke uh, puffing out the back of the car, but it was another disappointing one. He kind of fell back the way. And... But then, I don't think it's on Ricardo this weekend. I think the McLarens just weren't with it. Uh, mm. I don't know if the car really suited it. 
land will get caught out by the uh, the Latifi crash at the end of Q2, so he missed out his final run. Uh, but yeah, you know, one to forget. They've lost it. They've lost the place to Ferrari because they had a reasonably decent uh, race this weekend. So uh, in comparison, so you know, Monza will be a wee bit more suited to that Mercedes power unit. Uh, and uh, you know, we'll get the sprint race qualifying this time. Or sprint qualifying. Formula One say we're not allowed to call it a race. Mm. Uh, so you know, it's just one of those weekends. Every team has them. It just didn't quite click for them. Uh, I think Norris, just to go on to Norris here for a second, he kind of blamed himself because he didn't quite get the setup to the car quite the way he wanted it, and that kind of affected his qualifying performance and stuff. Hey, that happens. It's not a disaster. It's not brilliant. It's just how it worked out for them this weekend. Okay, well, that's McLaren kind of sorted. It's really difficult to find lots of things to talk about uh, in this race because there were there wasn't so much to chat about. Obviously, we've talked talked about the leader, we talked about the uh, the Mercedes team, uh, and we've talked about McLaren. Who did who else? Who did you think had a great race this this uh, weekend in Zandvoort? Uh, Sponge. I think the Ferraris again. They're up there, aren't they? You know, Ferrari, Gasly, best of the rest. <laughs> Yeah, you know it's it's the, it's the usual thing now, isn't it? We're starting to get into a little bit of a pattern in that that midfield. You've got McLaren who are either there or not there. Yeah. Ferrari more often or not are there, and then Gasly kind of you know has the odd cameo, but when he does have a cameo, he's like he's literally just missing out on a a, um, a podium. So uh, you know I, I think that is becoming a little bit more uh, predictable. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think I think definitely both Ferraris again. They've they've surprised me as to how far forward they've come this this season. Yeah, they are being more and more consistent, and they'll be looking to uh, cement that consistency uh, in this coming weekend uh, in Monza. Who stood out for you uh, that Sponge hasn't just mentioned, Coops? For all the wrong reasons, Aston Martin. I, mm-hmm. I mean, we talk about McLaren just not being with it. I mean, they guys were down. I'm just putting up the results just now. It was 13th and 12th, and they just weren't with it at all. Vettel and then both of them were two were lapped twice. Uh, I mean, everybody but the top three were lapped, so that's mm. not really anything to shout about, you know. And then just looking at the results there, Alonso in sixth for the Alpine, just behind Leclerc and Gasly. That's 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 a good result, you know. It's solid. Ocon getting ninth, so some good points in there, but. Just to touch on one other thing, uh, the Mazepin-Schumacher bond in Haas is no longer a bond. Uh, unless <laughs> Was it ever? Well, unless they're putting a bond out and a hit against each other, uh, <laughs> because that that's getting tasty and it's getting a bit... It's starting to get to the realms of Ocon, Perez, you know, hmm. contact and shouting at each other and... I'm not going to say that Mazepin was wrong. I mean, he was aggressive, uh, very aggressive on the straight with Max Schumacher. Mm. But then the stewards never looked at it. It wasn't even a conversation for the stewards. It was on a straight. It wasn't under braking. He didn't weave. He just moved over to make it difficult. Should he have done it to his teammate when they're fighting over 19th and 20th or 18th and 19th or whatever it was? Maybe not. But then who mm. else are the has going to fight against? <laughs> they're both trying to... Uh... To to show or or to stump their do, uh, you know dominance on the team, aren't they? You know, I'm I'm the the lead driver of this team, even though we're driving in nineteenth and twentieth every weekend. Um, I tell you who we do do need to chat about. We need to chat about Kubica. Kubica came in from obviously at the start of the weekend. If if you didn't know uh, and you hadn't watched the race yet, Kubica came in and studying for Kimi Raikkonen, who unfortunately tested positive for COVID nineteen. Uh, on the Friday morning, um, Kubica came in, and you know what? He's, he did as well as, as he could, and he he finished fifteenth in the race. Was it fifteenth? Yeah, yeah so it, was a, it was ahead of the Williams. That's great. You know, he's showing that he's still got it. I think it was Saturday morning to make it even better weekend because I think Raikkonen done Friday. Oh yes, that's it right. Was yeah. Saturday morning Saturday that he morning. jumped in. So. You know, it's, it's, it's for what it is, he hasn't done a race since, I want to say, was it Abu Dhabi 2019? Mm. Uh, I think yeah. it was the year that he, he came away from Williams and went to Alpha. So, 
to jump in on a track like Van Hort, I mean, as a racing spectacle, it's not great, but it's a technically tough course. Uh, mm. And with the G-forces and stuff in the bank corners, that's, that's a tough one. And, uh, you know, not that far behind his teammate, so, you know. Give him his due. For, for, for a standing uh, performance, it was, it was quite impressive, really. So the Zandvoort Grand Prix, the Dutch Grand Prix, was uh, not a very eventful, let's let's say that. Um, but what they did provide was a great atmosphere and a crowd that that's, you know, maybe it's even bettered some of the most diehard fans like the Tifosi. Uh, you heard it here first from Sponge himself. Yeah, so great atmosphere. You put on a great show and it looked like all the fans were having fun. I'm a bit fed up with the orange smoke, but... Hey ho. Now, since the race in the Netherlands this was their last weekend, a couple of bits of news have dropped uh, that have had the world go into a frenzy. On Monday, it was announced that Valtteri Bottas would be leaving Mercedes and heading to the Alfa Romeo team for 2022 how shocked were you at that news coops it was a brand new information <laughs> shock face <gasps> insert shock face here oh <gasps> uh, well no it wasn't a shock we all kind of figured that it was going to happen he had two choices williams or alfa romeo mm-hmm. he's chose alfa romeo partly i think due to fred Vasseur, he drove he, he worked with him in GP3 or F3 back in the day. Uh, yeah. Fred Vasseur ran a team that Valtteri drove for. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's got the coveted multi-year deal. Yay! Yay! Uh, he's been living off one-year deals for the last four or five. So Five yeah. years, yeah. I mean, that that shows you your team's loyalty, innit, son? <laughs> so, you know, he's going to the back of the grid. He's, he's going to either be with Giovinazzi, Nick De Vries, you know... All the conversation is that Gio's getting dumped for uh, somebody else. Mm. Uh, it's definitely not Kimmy. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, you know, uh, it'd come a time. I think he was kind of fed up of being the wingman. Uh, I wrote an article about it yesterday and kind of thought, you know, it was more about if you left a bit earlier. But, you know, he's chosen Alfa Romeo. He's no longer the supporting cast. He'll be the support to the younger driver, he'll be mm. the driver who's given the chance to do what he's going to do. The only time he's going to share the space with a Mercedes in the future is when he's getting lapped. So, <laughs> you know. We don't know that. The reg- new regulations might completely level the playing field. What what were your thoughts on the move to Valtteri Bottas, Sponge? I think it's good that um, Mercedes have got him a drive before they announce anything. Mm. Um it was widely reported that Toto wanted to make sure that he had a drive for next season before they made any decision on, you know, whether whether to actually go ahead and bring George in by the sound of it. So, yeah, I think that's good. He is under the management of Toto Wolf, isn't he? Yeah, he is. Yeah. So they've got a good relationship. I'm on the fence as to whether he should go somewhere else or whether it should be a case of somebody else coming into the sport. I know that sounds incredibly harsh, but I don't know. I mean, he's 32. Kimi Raikkonen is going to be 42 next year, next month. Yeah. So I will say this. I was very surprised that it was Alfa Romeo. Because Alfa Romeo are Ferrari, aren't they, at the yeah. end of the day? I thought it was going to be a straight swap with uh, with yeah. with Williams, to be fair. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm very surprised, very surprised indeed that it was, it was Alfa Romeo. There's a Mercedes, you know, guy that's been put into Alfa Romeo and Ferrari have okayed it. But what they might be doing now is they might, you know, bleed him for all he's worth in terms of inside knowledge from the Absolutely. Mercedes team. You know, that's it, it could be a, a shrewd business move. In fact, he could have been given the nod by, you know, uh, the, the Scuderia Ferrari head office anyway. Um, I know they're not as tightly linked anymore um, no. with Alpha and Ferrari, but there's still going to be some kind of link. You know, they're still providing those engines. They're still probably, you know, friendly with each other. What do you think, Coops? He only had two choices this year. Pretty much everybody else was already on multi-year deals, or mm. even though they hadn't announced it, the decision was made. You know, Alpha Tauri, 
you know, I don't think MD on the paddock or even us even had the possibility that those two drivers were going to swap out and, you know, we'll probably come on to that in a minute, but no, I think it was more the Williams team. Yes, he drove for them a few years ago, but that was under the Williams family. It's no longer the Williams family. Maybe he just didn't like the feel for it. Mm. And he just, you know, it could just be like he doesn't want to be seen to be going backwards, which is ironic considering he's going to Alfa Romeo. But, <laughs> you know, he's been to Williams, he's done that, he's went to Mercedes. Let's try something completely different. Mm. You know, Kimi Raikkonen went back to Salva slash Alfa Romeo. Why true. not? Yeah, was pretty true. much why he was, what he was asked. And that was his answer he gave. So, you know, I think the multi-year deal was a big part of it. Uh, not to say that Williams didn't offer them that, because uh, there were discussions between those two teams. It wasn't that he dismissed them altogether. Mm. Uh, and I think there was uh, maybe the Fred Versailles thing. Because although Williams, he's driven for them, none of the upper management he knows. They've all came in since he's left, so it'll be a brand new team. And he's going to go with somebody that he's worked with and has a relationship with. And, uh, so, you know, that's probably what's swung it. Uh, so, yeah, it's it'll be interesting to see. We've got no more. We've got a Valtteri Bottas that's not under the shadow of Lewis Hamilton anymore and no longer going to get, hey, hi, Valtteri, it's James on the radio. <laughs> uh, and, you know, every time he must have heard that, his heart must have sank to the bottom of his cockpit. Uh, and he's not going to hear that anymore. Nope. Uh, the chances of team, the team orders and Alfa Romeo are going to be pretty slim. Well, and if they are, they're probably going to be in his favour because he'll oh, be yeah. the, he'll be the lead. Well, I'm going to put air air commas there just to he'll be the lead driver. Um, certainly at first, um, if there's a a new rookie rookie that comes in. Okay, well let's turn talk about the news that dropped today. The big news that pretty much every British fan has been waiting for. Uh, and the writing was on the wall probably a couple of weekends ago, maybe even all season, really. Um, George Russell is moving from the Williams and he's going to be driving for Mercedes next year. Does that excite you, Sponge? It does, yeah. I think I think there's a few in our team that were quite surprised by it as well. Didn't think it would be this season, but... I'd... Or the end of this season, should I say? Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's the ideal time to bring him in, though. I, I really do. I, you know, with again with the change in rules, yeah, it's everybody's learning the car at the same time. He's already proved that he can do it in the cars that they're in now. He knows Mercedes. I, I think it's a perfect time for him to do it. To be honest with you, and, and I, I think he's going to ruffle a few th- feathers. I really do. Yes, he's certainly going to keep uh, Lewis Hamilton. Uh, kind of guessing, really. Uh, is he going to beat Lewis Hamilton next year, Coops? Who knows? He's definitely going to put the cat amongst the pigeons. Uh, he's definitely not a Bottas wingman. He's not there to be that. He's there to be the future. You know, mm-hmm. Hamilton could do this last couple of years of his contract. I think he's only got two years now after this one. So he might just do them and decide to head off. You know, everyone uh, comes at there comes a time where everyone has to go. So, no, I think it was, as Sponge says, it was the right time. He'd done his three years of apprenticeship in Williams. Very rarely put a foot wrong. I can only think of, what, two times where he spun his car under behind the, the safety car and then where he took Bottas out, ironically, uh, this season and then tried to blame Bottas for it when everyone's going, well, actually, kind of was you. Uh, and I think the threat of the Clio Cup drive put uh, Camden down a bit but no uh, he deserves it he's a, he's a naturally talented fast driver very composed in front of the media it's just going to be very interesting to see how he deals with this pressure because when you drive for Mercedes with Hamilton next to you there's a lot of expectation uh, and he has to prove from the minute there's none of this you're a rookie this is your first time in Mercedes he's had his apprenticeship he goes into Mercedes now as a known quantity, and he's expected to perform from day one. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see that. It's all about the car next year, then, in terms of we've we've already seen that George Russell can extract the absolute most uh, out of a car that he's he's been given. So, you know, I'm really excited to see it. I I, I do think that Lewis Hamilton will probably still win uh, or beat George Russell over the season, just because of the experience that he's got. 
but I think it'll certainly like it'll certainly be back and forth a bit more. I'm hoping the relationship still stays quite amicable and they're nice to each other. Um, because what I want to see is, you know, Lewis kind of imparting his knowledge onto George and then George for to be our next future champion. You know, I love Lando as well. So I'm happy for Lando to win. Don't get me wrong. From the perspective of kind of the the Jedi master and the Padawan, I think that'd be a great kind of relationship to kind of experience or to kind of to witness uh, for the last couple of years that, that Hamilton will be on the grid. What are your thoughts on the uh, Hamilton versus George Russell uh, kind of relationship uh, and competition sponge? I, I was interested to, to see the statement that Toto put out when he announced that Bottas was leaving. I thought that was quite poignant. He said, Bottas, uh, I, I mean, I'm not quoting directly now. I haven't got it in front of me, but it was something along the lines of Bottas has set the, the, uh, the benchmark for a teammate. Um, and has, you know, basically has allowed them to, to dominate the sport for however many years that they have done. And that, I kind of read that as a little bit of a, okay, welcome to the team, George, but stay in your lane and know your role. That's that's kind of how I read that one a little bit. Um, you know, it was a little bit like you know, Valtteri is you know he's he's, mm. he's a, a benchmark because he's kind of you know toe the line. Um, so yeah, I think that's interesting. Don't think George is going to. Uh, I don't. What's the word? I don't think he's going to adhere to to said rules um, mm. as much. Um, certainly, you know, exactly. I think he's going to burst onto the scene with Mercedes like Hamilton did with McLaren. Yeah. You know, Hamilton came in, really ruffled Alonso's feathers. Alonso thought he was going to have a, a, an easy ride that season, didn't he? But he was, yeah, he was, uh, really interrupted on that one. Um, and I think it's going to be the same for Lewis. And I do, I do, I'm going to say it right now. I think next season will be like Lewis's last. You heard it here first. He's got a two year contract. I know. I, th- I still, I genuinely think that next year will be his last season. Yeah, he's going to do a veto, <laughs> get annoyed because he's getting beaten by his teammate and leave. Yep, that's exactly what I think. That's exactly what I can see happening, and I think he will turn around and say, "Look, because he's he's already been bigging up George. He can't he can't back down from that now. Neither should he. But I do think he will he will turn around and he say, like, you know, I've said George will be the person that I hand the baton over to, and." I'm not going to stand in his way and I think it would be abundantly clear if if sparks do start to fly or I think it would be abundantly clear that Lewis isn't happy that his his feathers are being ruffled um I think he's had it easy for the last few years with Valtteri so yeah I I definitely think that next year he's going to be his last bum, bum, bum. <laughs> <laughs> I disagree but you know that's that's what that's what life is about having different opinions the thing is, how long is he going to carry on for? He wants to do other things already. He wants to go into music and he no. wants to do this, that and the other. You, all he wants is his eighth driver's title. No, That's all he wants. You see, I, dis- I completely disagree. I think he, Lewis, Lewis has gone down and uh, kind of tested the waters in these avenues. Oh, he's tried his fashion. He's tried a little bit of singing by being on Christina Aguilera's song. I think he's tried those things and he's probably seen that actually, you know what? I may have a slight kind of talent there, but it's not. I'm not the best in the world of the singing. I'm not the best in the world in, in fashion design, but you know, I've got a, an okay eye, and I and I and I'll have an opinion on fashion. But just because you have those things and you've got a, you know, a ridiculous sum of money in your account, doesn't mean you're you're you know it's worth doing that. He knows that he's at the moment the best driver in F1 history, or. On to, on to being the best driver in history. Why would you give up the something that you are the best at to do something that you're just mediocre at, but you've got loads of money that means you can do it? Do you know what I mean? Does that make sense? Well, how long did he have to practice to become the best in Formula One? Is that the only thing he's ever done? He's yeah, I mean, you know, at the end of the day, he's, he, 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 he may well turn around and say, do you know what? I I want to do this now. I'm going to put all of my time into it and then go, yeah, okay, I can do this now. It's great. So with those two driver removes announced, Bottas to Alfa Romeo and George Russell to Mercedes, it leaves a seat vacant, at least one, uh, in the Williams team. Now, there are many theories floating around the internet and on 
pretty reasonable uh, theories going around that it might be Alexander Albon uh, and that Red Bull are trying to get him into a seat. Go to Sponge first. Sponge, what what are your thoughts on these rumours? Do you think there's a lot of weight to that? Do you think you'd like to see Alex and Alexander Albon in that Williams seat? Again, it would be strange for a Red Bull driver to go to a Mercedes team. They're not a Mercedes team, though, are they? They're, they're, they're a, they have a Mercedes power, but they're not controlled by Mercedes. Well, it depends how much control you believe that the... The, the parent companies that well the the engine manufacturers have i mean obviously they you know with with george they had a, a a massive influence over his career haven't they you know they placed him with williams who are a, a mercedes team so I, I do think there is something to be said about it uh mm-hmm. it wouldn't be outside the realms of possibility i think it would be good for both parties personally i can't see it happening uh, but i think equally there's been enough kind of enough said in the media to seriously look at that as a possibility as well. We'll just have to see. See, the rumours floating around, uh, Coops, is that Toto was trying to uh, block the Red Bull move uh, to to get Alexander Albon into the Williams seat. Obviously, because he's got an interest with Nick De Vries. Um, now, Nick De Vries, obviously Formula E champion or whatever, uh, for Mercedes, in the Mercedes-powered car. Um, and then obviously they'd want to find him a seat somewhere but also there's a, a, a could be potentially a vacancy in the Alfa Romeo too um in place of where Giovinazzi is going uh, what's your kind of what's your, what's your take on on the rumors of the Alexander Albon Williams and Alfa Romeo kind of switch around i think the whole situation with Albon's a bit of brinksmanship i think that's just an added bit of layer to the mind games between Horner and Total Wolf now the two of them enjoy nipping at each other. Mm. Uh, a driver going to a team while controlled by another team is not like a rival, is not out of the realms of possibilities or, you know, situations. Look at Ocon at Alpine. Uh, yeah. Renault, he went there on loan, but he had no, there was no control. He was kind of third party owned by Mercedes, but while in the Alpine team for the first contract, there was nothing that Mercedes or Total Wolves management could do in regards to pulling him out or anything like that. Uh, mm. You know, I think, in all honesty, Red Bull should cut ties with Albon and let him do what he wants to do. I don't see him coming back to the Red Bull fold within Formula 1. Uh, you've got Gasly in there firing his Alpha Tauri into fourth place. Admittedly, first time round, didn't do a good job in Red Bull. But then the car might be diff- it'll be a different beast from next season. You've got young UK mm. Sonoda, which I think they're hedging their bets on. He's going to come good soon. So, you know, I think Albon, the only way he's getting back into Formula 1 is with Williams. I think it's the, he needs to take a drive. He needs to do it now. Now, if he takes it next year and it's just as awful as he was in Red Bull, then, you know, okay, you've tried it. Cheerio. Uh, you know, I've had my reservations from Albon from the start. I mean, he was testing a Formula E car then. I can't remember what happened, but something happened. It was a bit last minute, so they called him up. Before that, nobody was looking at Albon to come into Formula 1. And it was Red Bull that took him because he kind of had... There was an ownership situation there and they had run out of drivers because Marco, I don't know, killed the last one to put in his sandwich or something. I don't know what he does, though. <laughs> uh, so... Albon needs to get into Formula 1. If there's a chance for him to get into Formula 1, he needs to do it. Is Toto trying to get his own driver into a Mercedes-powered car? Oh, God forbid. Uh, of course he is, because he's a Mercedes driver. There's a team that's got a Mercedes power unit. There's always going to be that conversation. Bottas went to Mercedes, with Mercedes giving Williams free engines for a year or whatever to help break, break the contract that he had. Uh, mm. You know, they put George Russell, as Spun says, who's a Mercedes uh, Driver Academy, uh, you know, uh, kind of driver, uh, into Williams, uh, I'd imagine, with some sort of help financially, I would have thought, or, or something, unless Total just rocked up and went, see that seat, you're putting him in it, and there's no car, you know, could be as, uh, as, as straightforward as that, but, you know, Nick De Vries and Alfa Romeo for a couple of years. Okay. Hi. Hey. Albon and Alfa Romeo. I think Albon and Williams makes more sense. Mm. In all honesty. 
uh, Alfa Romeo having Nick De Vries. Don't see that to be a problem either. Uh, and the weird thing about it is, this whole situation, there's two seats, potentially two seats. You know, Giovinazzi's done all he's going to do. He's not going to suddenly be in the points all the time. He's, he's a competent driver, but that's about as much as you're getting from him. Uh, mm. You know, the weird thing is, like, I've not really seen many other, like, names being dropped in the hat. It's not a case of... I think the only other name is... Uh, is it Juan Hujo, the, the Alpine Renault uh, Chinese driver who's an F2 just now? I think I've kind of heard him as the kind of wild card outlier that he's potentially maybe been looked at for either of the two drives. Uh, but most of the rumours are all around this Albon Nick De Vries thing, which is, 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 is fun because it's another reason for Horner and Total Wolf to go at it again. They're an old married couple. They just bitch and moan at each other all the time. Uh, you can imagine. You can imagine them being on a TV series uh, after they retire from Formula One and uh, just uh, knocking two bells of the proverbial out of each other. It'd be entertaining TV. <laughs> oh, it's it's fun. You know, we had uh, we've got a show up here in Scotland, which has just finished. And do you know, just as I thought of it, I can't remember the name of it, but it's two old people that all they do is just nip at each other. Well, that's all they did. Uh, it's based in Glasgow. And I can imagine Toto Wolf and Christian Horner, and uh, as you say, in their 70s, 80s, just sitting next to each other, just <laughs> bitching and moaning. But yeah, it's fun. Uh, it, it's going to be fun for the remaining, what we all, we just finished round 13, so we've only got... Eight, eight races to go if it goes to the full amount I think it's 22 all in so uh, yeah it's a strange one, it's a very strange situation uh, to be played out so much in public as well which is even more strange, these are the kind of stories you hear in a podcast 20 years later oh by the way when I get put in there this was happening and that and you're kind of going oh did you hear that was interesting but it's all. But it's hap- interesting to watch. Yeah. It's interesting to watch, and it's it's entertainment. Part of me thinks that they're probably best mates. Really, they just like to uh, to put on a show because yeah. you know Horner, he loves being on tele- television. He's you know jumps at every opportunity to to talk to the to panelists on Channel Four and Sky. Uh, he jumps on Drive to Survive as much as he possibly can. He just loves the limelight. He likes yeah, the, you know. he likes to stutter. I mean, during George Russell's interview with Jensen Button, he walked past him and congratulations on your new deal. Because George that didn't, was brilliant. George didn't have a clue what to say, uh, and he just walked away laughing. I thought it was hilarious. It's brilliant. Yeah, it was brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> but it, at the, and the response from George was very uh, David Brent esque, and I've, I've got to I'm going to credit. Matt Gallagher for that because Matt Gallagher is the one that that brought that up from uh, WTF one. So the way he responded was like, uh, "I I don't know what you're talking about." <laughs> it, was like, yeah. it was like, "Yeah, you did. Yeah, you did. You know." Okay, well, let's move on from the news. Those were the the kind of news uh, worthy things that we needed to talk about this week. Valtteri Bottas to Alfa Romeo, George Russell to. Mercedes, yee-hee. and then the vacant seat at Williams, and who will it be? And one we'll last, out, probably one last announcement as well. Uh, Alpha Tauri are retaining both of theirs. Correct. Alpha Tauri are retaining uh, Gasly and Yuki Tsunoda, which we kind of thought would happen anyway. So yeah, uh, that's... I mean, after Tsunoda's debut, he's been pretty much a standard rookie, but it wasn't really disastrous enough to can him after one year. Maybe Red Bull have learnt from their previous mistakes of binning people too soon. Well, when they've got no drivers left, I don't think they had much of a choice. <laughs> okay, let's talk about the race that's coming up this weekend. We're going to have a race in Monza, the Italian Grand Prix. Woo! Sponge, I'm going to go to you because it's one of your favourite tracks, isn't it? Going to see Mon- Monza. Um, so it's always good to go to a fan of the track. What are your expectations from the week? Who do you think is going to perform well? Uh, and what you know, what, what are you looking forward to seeing? Uh, I think it's going to be uh, the usuals up the front. I think Ferrari will go well there this weekend. Um, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I think when it comes to racing, it's actually... It's not one of the more exciting tracks, let's say, but I mean, you know, in terms of like having been there, it's just a special place, and I think 
if Ferrari can get on that, oh, I just want Charles Leclerc to win that Monaga- that <laughs> Monegasque anthem alongside the Italian national anthem at Monza. Oh, it just, I mean, my, my, my hairs are standing up on my arm now. It's, um, right. it, it's the one place in the world where the romance of the sport just perfectly aligns when it's Ferrari and Charles Leclerc. And I just hope, I, I really want them to win it. Okay. I really want them to win. Coop, same question to you. What are you really expecting to happen at the weekend? What are you looking forward to? What are you not looking forward to? I'm looking forward to the Tifosi. I'm looking forward to Ferrari breaking Spongy's heart and not win the race. (laughs) Uh, We all know that that's going to happen, Coops. I know, but I like the romance of the sport and them kind of things keep us going. How's the, how's the weather? Is the weather looking good? No, I I have no idea. The the, The one thing we need to touch on before I forget, because I did have a train of thought there, uh, was that we've got another sprint qualifying race, not race thing. Uh, oh yes, we've got a sprint qualifying, not race thing. Is that what they, is that the official title? Yes, 100%. Uh, so, for those of you that have forgotten from uh, from Silverstone, we will have uh, free practice on Friday, then we have the normal qualifying which is Q1, Q2, Q3, which sets the grid for the sprint qualifying, not race, race thing, uh, which then the results of the 100 kilometer 17 laps-ish, round about that kind of number, uh, will then determine the grid for the race. Which, after Silverstone, it was alright, it was a good idea, it didn't really change much in the way of the, the order for the race. Other than I think uh, was it Sainz ended up getting punted off by one of the McLarens, so he ended up at the back of the grid, and the McLaren got a slap on the wrist, if I'm right. Uh, but yeah, it didn't really do much. It was a wee bit of excitement, a bit of excitement for the Friday. I'm not expecting too much. It'll be something for the fans to enjoy, uh, as you said. We've, the, the Tifosi are, you know, one of a kind. Um, they've got someone to compete so they're going to try and be a bit noisier they might even break out some red smoke flares you never know oh please don't please please don't <laughs> see, see organizers i know you've listened to everything f1 podcast please ban them <laughs> well let's go through the track details it's the autodromo nacional monza the length is 5.793 kilometers total race distance of 306.72 kilometers we're going to have 53 laps the current lap record around monza established in 2004 by Rubens Barrichello. We've been racing there since 1950, so pretty much every single year that we have been racing in Formula One. And the tyre compounds for this weekend are the C2, C3 and C4, which is the hard, medium and soft. And just to update that as well, the weather is looking like it's going to be 28 all the way through until Monday. And Are are those tyres... The hardest, or are they kind of in the middle of that range? I can't remember. Do we have a C5? Yeah, there is a C5. Right, okay, so you're kind of one down because it was the hardest set they took to Zandvoort because they were being cautious. So they've kind of went down a step. And your times, if you are in the UK, free practice one will be 1.30 till 2.30pm. Then we're going to have qualifying on Friday evening. Uh, which is at 5 p.m. until 6 p.m. That's your standard qualifying um, layout. So you've got your Q1, Q2, Q3, as Sponge said, uh, as Coop said earlier. Uh, and then we've got free practice two on Saturday at 11 a.m. till 12 p.m., followed by the sprint qualifying at 3.30 p.m. until 4 p.m., culminating in the race on Sunday the 12th at 2 p.m. So if you're in a different country from the U.K., Adjust your times accordingly, but make sure you whack it into your diary or onto your calendars or into your phone or where it is you organise your life. Okay, let's go to your predictions for the week. Coops, we'll go to you first. First, second, third, DNF, uh, and how many finishers? What are you saying? Uh, 18 finishers. Verstappen, Bottas, Hamilton. Ooh. And my first person to go out will be George Russell. Oh, Sponge. Same question to you. So I'm going to go 16 finishers. Oof. Mm-hmm. Uh, I reckon this circuit is going to claim a few old engines this weekend. 
Um, <laughs> True. Yeah, there's a few on there last, aren't there? Um, Charles Leclerc to win the race. Second, I'm going to go for Max. Third, I'm going to go for Sergio. Oh. Uh, so the Mercedes. So the Mercedes are nowhere to be found in that. Is that going to be a DNF? No, I don't think so. Okay. I'm just I'm just going for like you know whatever left field I can go for you know what I mean. <laughs> um, <laughs> Your predictions are never actual predictions. No, 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 they're no, just no, no. Kind of fantasy. Yeah, just a bit of entertainment, like you know. Um, you want left field? Put a house in the points then. <laughs> no, I'm not stupid, Coops. Come on. Then. <laughs> <laughs> um, first to retire, I'm gonna go for Lance Stroll. Mm. Okay, same question for myself. I'm going to say it will be a Hamilton victory. I think it will be a Max Verstappen second place. And I think Pierre Gasly is going to repeat his kind of his form in Monza and he's going to get third. And now you see why I go for fantasy. How boring was that? Yeah, but Pierre Gasly was slightly interesting. Well, I suppose, you know? yeah, but you know, come on, <laughs> seriously. As interesting as wearing brown top instead of a beige one. <laughs> That is one That's way my to put Saturday it. Night sorted. <laughs> you don't wear you don't wear trousers and shirts on a Saturday night. It's a floral dress, a, cr- a, cr- a crop top and a <laughs> mini skirt. <laughs> That's Sunday, isn't it? <laughs> I'm going to say I'm going to go for a low finishers. Well. I'm going to say like 15. Actually, I'm going to go 15 finishers and the first DNF. I'm going to say it again because I said it last week and I said it the week before. Esteban Ocon is due one. He's due a non a non finish. Uh, in and I think it's going to happen in Monza. Okay, so those were our predictions. Were yours any different? Let us know in any comment sections on our, our race predictions or qualifying prediction posts. All that's left for me to say is thank you very much for listening today. Thank you very much for joining me, Coops and Sponge. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you. We have been Everything F1. As always, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, uh, and of course our Discord server at the handle at joinef one and of course on our website, www.everythingf1.com. All that's left for me to say is thank you very much for coming to listen to our podcast today. Thanks to the guys for appearing on it. Thank you, everybody, and we'll speak to you again in the Monza review next week. Bye-bye. Bye, everybody. Bye. 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 Bye.